I think a materialist approach to things is very, very consistent with uh, my experience in Christian social justice. I feel like the, the deeper I get into anarchist practice, the deeper my faith is getting at the same time. I would hope that you know, securing means of life for all would be something all people of faith would say, oh yes, that's at the basis of what we believe. Those who are most marginalized know the most about the truth, good and the beautiful. To me, it's less that I think building class solidarity is a bad thing, as much as it seems like if you don't attend to things like anti-black racism, um, that's always going to get in the way of building class solidarity, actually. And when you go back, you find that a lot of uh, revolutionary grassroots participatory movements, the, the precursors to what you could call um, the barrio assemblies and these like, you know, grassroots neighborhood organizations, a lot of these were sponsored by the church. What does it mean to say that the Christian tradition is internally contradictory and there are antagonisms there? Um, you're always uh, being faithful to some aspects and betraying other aspects. Welcome to The Magnificast, a podcast about Christianity and leftist politics. I'm Dean Detloff. I'm a PhD student at the Institute for Christian Studies in Toronto. And I'm Matt Bernico. I teach media studies at Greenville University in Greenville, Illinois. This week we are talking with John Thornton Jr. Uh, carrying on a New Year's tradition, two years running so far. Uh, we're going to work out a bunch of stuff about uh, how we should name this year, 2019, and also talk about some stuff that John really did last year in 2018, specifically a really neat article that he wrote about debt. Also, final note, this is the, the last notice I'll give, and I'll quit bothering everyone about it. But the class that I'm teaching, called Organized Religion, Christianity, and Anti-Capitalism in the U.S., starts next week. So this will come out on Friday, and uh, we'll have like an online lecture in the, in the following week. Um, you can still actually register for it even through the next week, but you have to email academic-registrar at icscanada.edu. It's all online. You can audit it if you're afraid of doing homework, and that's totally fine. I am too. Uh, it costs $67 American and $90 Canadian. And you can also feel free to DM me or email me if you have any other questions. Cool. So let's uh, follow suit here and really do it with John Thornton. This week, we're talking with John Thornton Jr., who is our local resident youth pastor here at the Magnificast. Uh, you might remember John from a year ago, uh, almost exactly, when we talked with him uh, at the beginning of 2018, and we took a page out of the My Brother, My Brother and Me uh, handbook back then to try to name the year, to set a tone, set a theme, and we're going to do that uh, again shortly. But last year, 2018, was 20 Imagine 18, subtitled, captioned, Really Doing It. Uh, so this year, John's back. He's going to help us get back on track uh, in 2019, talk about some stuff that he really did last year, and uh, we're pretty excited to have you. So, John, uh, how's the year starting out for you? Uh, it's been great. Uh, you know, 2018 really did it. That was the um, that was a theme. Um, I had a couple goals for the year. One, uh, become an uncle. Did that. <laughs> nice. <laughs> To uh, have writing published at some publications that I was really proud of, did that. And uh, the other was not burn out my job. And you know what? Two out of three is not bad. Oh, no. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, pumped to be, be back talking to you guys. 
I don't. I, I was literally thinking uh, while we were talking, you know, like talking about recording, um, what the theme for this year would be, and I don't have it yet. So I think it's just going to have to emerge. Yeah, we're going to do a little, a little bit of spitballing here. Yeah, yeah, we'll get it figured out. But no, uh, yeah, twenty nineteen is off to a a pretty good start. Was there a particular link last year between twenty imagine eighteen and really doing it? Like, were we imagining a better future or something? Is that what we were doing? I don't even remember. Yeah, we probably should have listened to it. Eh? Oh no way! Not going back that far. <laughs> uh, Matt, what have you been up to at the start of this new year? Uh, I visited some family in Omaha, Nebraska. That was a real trip. That place, the entire place, it's all just beige. It's all one big beige blob on the map. <laughs> um, but while I was there, I did get the new Saladin Ahmed uh, uh, Spider-Man, and that was pretty good. So nice. great start to 2019. A very Spider-Man 2019. Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah, there we go. Dean, what are you doing? <laughs> uh, I went to Michigan over Christmas and it was a pretty good time. Uh, and I've been spending the last few days at work trying to think of a resolution for this year. Um, I told Emily that I was going to try to be more positive, and she like immediately laughed at me yeah. uh, <laughs> as like a, a complete reaction, like totally unprompted. So I don't know. I've kind of already given that up, I think. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm adrift in a sea of failed resolutions at this point. Yeah. Well, we are 48 hours in, so that's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so many hours, though. It's 48 of them. Yeah, when you put it that way, that's <laughs> forty-eight hours lost. Uh, well, I guess that is also all the more reason why we really have to buckle down, figure out how to name this year. Maybe a, a resolution will also emerge. Um, all right, John, you've been uh, thinking about this for a while, and you're a youth pastor, so naturally you're a professional at uh, all things pun-related. Um, all things uh, uh, illustrative, uh, metaphor-related. What what can we do here? How can we get started? With 2019? With 2019. Oh, man. See, I'm not like a good youth pastor. I also do. I, I mean, I did more than like youth pastor things at the church. So I don't, I'm, you know, I don't want to get like locked in as the youth pastor guy. Um, <laughs> okay all right not like a good, yeah, I, yeah i wasn't i was, didn't do like chubby bunny and stuff like that <laughs> <laughs> well lucky um, for you guys uh i've come pre-prepared with some really good suggestions for oh, 2019 okay. uh so here we go um my first suggestion uh is 20 guillotine get it because it's kind of like 19 it's a good fun it's a good one so the theme is uh chopping heads off <laughs> Right, that's what that's what guillotines are for. <laughs> yeah, it's like this year or we're chopping fruits. That's true. We're gonna chop some fruits or heads right up. Um, <laughs> what about some melons? If you know what I mean. Yeah. Okay. So maybe that's not maybe that one's too violent. But what about this one? Twenty crime teen. So like we're doing crimes this year. <laughs> <laughs> not getting like, a lot of property. Not bad ones, but just like I'm gonna park here for too long. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good way to get your car to just to have a, a new year theme yeah or uh here's my here's my final suggestion i think the one that we should go with since this is the new new year's tradition it's 20 john teen talking with john thornton jr <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> really, really, really junioring it really junioring it up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right well since it is 20 john teen and now that's going to happen for sure and no one can change what the year is actually going to be about um, we can talk about an article you really did this year. Yeah. 
Okay, cool. So recently you uh, wrote a piece for Plow.com, which is a website I didn't know existed, but now I do, and it's pretty legit. Um, They're rad. Yeah. They, it, yeah. Pl- I want to plug Plow uh, Publishing. They're 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 really good. They um just like Mennonite Anabaptist publisher that like they just put out good stuff. There you go. They put and out good I, stuff. I'll be honest, I did not know it existed until I wrote for them. So <laughs> yeah, but they're but they're awesome. They're rad. They have this little um like spiritual classics series that's fantastic. And all Magnificast listeners should go buy all of those. <laughs> all right. Yeah, yeah. Pod.com is cool. Well, you wrote an essay for them called A Debt to Education, and I thought it was pretty neat. Um, I think it has – I like this essay a lot because it has a lot of sort of like the John Thornton Jr. classics in it, like um, lots of like uh, good stories but also lots of good Christian thought on debt um, and spiritual formation. So it's a really good piece that's like illustrative of I think what you're about. <laughs> a pastor talking about debt is kind of your brand now whether you like it or not. Um, so can you give us an elevator pitch for your article and talk – to us about like you know why debt is something that you're interested in uh why it's uh something that we should think about the idea was that like so you know universities and higher education especially christian universities and, and higher education are all about formation uh this is like the buzzword um but and, and generally formation means that that our institutions are gonna uh develop habits and relationships and um like all this stuff that 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 carries us into the future and shapes how we live and just like stuff that we do after we leave the university and when i was in divinity school i remember like duke div was all about formation i was like oh well the most formative thing they're doing here is asking me to take out thousands of dollars of loans (laughs) because i'm gonna have to pay this off for forever and I'll uh, be in a relationship with Great Lakes. Uh, Great Lakes Student Loans is like my ser- service provider. Um, it will, yeah, yeah. They're pretty rad. They check in. They sent me a happy birthday message, which is, <laughs> yeah, yeah, my buds. Um, and uh, you know, it's going to influence where I work, where I move. Um, and this is the case for you know millions of Americans, and so. Uh, but this is generally what I was trying to say was that like this is usually off the table for people that talk about formation in university and like higher education, especially Christians, that they're like, well, no, we we teach our uh, students contemplative prayer and we go to chapel and we are in spiritual formation groups, which we had it. I think it's a, an accredited thing with now seminaries and divinity schools. So you have to have a a spiritual formation group, which is like just a bunch of people, just a bunch of strangers that you have to get together with first year and like talk about your life. Um, and so, yeah, so I was just trying to stretch out like this logic of what does it mean that debt forms us in this particular way? Uh, and then, and then how does it form us? And so there's kind of two ways that it forms us. One is, um, retributive and so people when they talk about debt especially student loan debt they're like oh well you could have gone to a different school you could have majored in something else you could have worked harder you could have made all these different decisions you could have made all these choices um 
And like, that's just kind of really cruel, I think, uh, because I have so many friends that the, like where they went to school was where they met, you know, their partner or where they figured out like, Oh, this is, I want to become a minister or when I do my life and that their lives could have gone differently. Um, and so to say like, Oh, you should have chosen differently is to say, Oh, you should be a different person. And you can expand this out to other kinds of debt. Like, Oh, you shouldn't have gone to the hospital and taken out medical debt. Oh, well, you're basically telling someone they shouldn't be alive, you know, like, uh, or you shouldn't have, um, yeah, taken out like a payday loan to have, to pay your rent. Um, and so, so there's that. And then the other part of the, the essay was around redemptive, which I think is the more like, uh, or uh, another like facet of this is like, oh, well, okay. So you've gotten in debt, but you're, that's not that big of a deal. Um, or you should be forgiven for that. And now like you can make a bunch of decisions to get out of debt. So like you shouldn't feel bad for the debt that you took on. It's, it's okay that you went to this divinity school, this seminary, um, this university. Uh, but now you can get out by making all of these decisions about uh, eating at home versus eating out or not buying Starbucks. or uh, And all of it is trying to reduce debt to a matter of individual choice um, that obscures all the ways that societal structures work against us and, and put us in positions where we have to take out debt. Um, so, so that, and, in I was trying to look at that through the language of formation at a university, because that's the language that I know. And it's the one that I saw at the university. So, um, what does it look like to form us as, as debtors or choosers? Um, I guess that would be a really long elevator ride. <laughs> Some of them are. Yeah, we were going up like a huge elevator. That's how I would that'd be my elevator pitch. Yeah, that's how we do it on the Magnificast. We have a very mm-hmm. big building and we're going all the way to the top. I found the introduction uh, about formation and university really interesting because I teach at one and we talk a lot about formation too. And uh, just like, I don't know, adding that little bit of a materialist spin to it, like, um, you know, you can teach kids all you want about Christianity and whatever, you know, all, all that good stuff that Christian universities do, or, you know, even the bad stuff. But uh, you don't really think about the actual material consequences of that, like, you know, that they have to take out tons and tons and tons of debt, um, and they'll be paying it back forever. So uh, that's even a, a helpful intervention, I think. Yeah, I mean, like, you've got to pay that off. Like, it's just not, I mean, I actually don't, I mean, I don't know what happens if you don't, if you just tell your loan provider like oh, i'm just not going to pay this i mean just, they just start taking money from wherever they can get it um but the idea that that's not formative like you said in the same way that christian universities say you know daily prayer is um it's just it's absurd right like no of course when push comes to shove which is what these things kind of eventually come to you know which way you're going to go. It's going to be the, the having to pay something off. Um, and we just don't, yeah, we just don't recognize that as a, as a kind of formation. 
Yeah, I think it's also really useful just to kind of continue on that line of thinking. Um, I mean, okay, so all three of us have been through Christian higher education. Um, Matt still works in it. Uh, I'm still going through it as a PhD student. Um, But we're all like products of it also one way or another, right? So like we all have student debt from that experience. And uh, it is wild because when I think back to especially my undergraduate experience at an evangelical school, um, there was an office called uh, Spiritual Formation explicitly. And uh, we referred to them unlovingly as a spear foe. And what was so terrible is like, so they would, uh, basically they were the cops, right? Like their, their job is to be the police. So if somebody hears that you like went to a party, you got to go talk to Spearfo. Somebody hears that you're like uh, getting a little too hot with your girlfriend, got to go talk to Spearfo. Um, but the craziest thing is like, if you like didn't go to church or something, uh, you don't like Spearfo doesn't like wake you up on Sunday mornings. Um, and so the ways in which they're like disciplining you is in this really particular sort of, uh, I don't know, like moral sense Um, but what you, and like, that's like a really easy thing to see when you're a student and you feel kind of like burdened by that or whatever. But I think the strength, especially of what you're doing here is to say that like, even underneath that explicit, like attempt at formation, there's a kind of formation that probably isn't even like, uh, registering on like the radar of people whose job it is to think about formation. And that's like the thing that they too are probably also struggling with like student debt or, you know, like debt from like their mortgage or whatever. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's like a really important kind of paradigmatic shift to be like, all right, but you know, how is your life being, um, formed without you knowing it, uh, to force you down certain kind of pathways? Yeah, totally. I remember, um, uh, I I don't think she, she wasn't the head of spiritual formation. She was like a, um, she had this position like in student life, um, at, at Div. Um, and it wasn't like, it wasn't quite where like, if you fooled around with someone, you had to go like talk to us, but it wasn't quite that extreme, but it was totally like her job was to, you know, like uh, coordinate events and stuff like that on campus. Um, but she was like a, like a kind of older student, like former student at Duke Div. Um, and I remember her talking about having student debt and her using a lot of the language of formation, but not making the the connection. And it's like, Oh, great. But this is like actually changing where we go work and how we go do things and like our, our thought process. Um, I, I know from enough people, enough friends of mine, especially that work in universities that are not Christian, that formation is not the language that's, that's used. Um, which is interesting. Like it's, it's such a, I don't know. It's such a nebulous term that it, it encompasses so much in Christian universities. I'm surprised it hasn't made its way into universities that are not Christian, but, um, but yeah, it becomes this kind of uh, way of governance or way of talking about like how you should be as a person that to not include debt just seems absurd to me. Like it just seems silly. Like I, obviously this is going at the very least is going to be a factor in like what I do in my life. Um, and like I said, that's true of debt from a university, credit card debt, um, you know, hospital, medical debt, those sorts of things like that. We aren't incorporating that language, which is it's one or the other, right? Either, uh, the stuff, this stuff doesn't form us in particular ways, um, or, or it 
really, really does. And if it really does, then we ought to put it up there with morning prayer or worship or organizing or those sorts of things. And then we ought to set it, set it alongside those things and then figure out how we're going to deal with it. Yeah, for sure. Um, man, it makes me very uncomfortable to think about how uh, I went to a Christian university, acquired a lot of debt, and now I teach at one. And my students are doing the same thing. And that's like a real self-perpetuation kind of thing. Yikes. Um, <laughs> how, do, how do they do they talk about it? Oh, yeah. Students, the at least my students. They know now, right? Are pretty acutely aware of the sort of debt situation that they're in. Um, I think, yeah. I, I mean, um, if, if life was precarious for me when I was an undergrad, I think it is even more so now for students today. So they definitely yeah. realize... Um, I mean, I don't know. They, they they do they understand that they will be indebted when they come out of this. I, I don't know if they understand sort of like what that will mean or look like, but they definitely know that it's happening. Um, it's you know a very metaphysical process at this point. I think. Well, um, maybe on that point, uh, that metaphysical point about debt, or um, or maybe even like the the religious aspect of debt. Um, you draw a few different types of categories of debt in your article. You talk about retributive, uh, man. You talk about retributive debt or redemptive, uh, redemptive ideas of debt and the whole kind of like way you're going about this conversation about like, you know, uh, an economic and financial sort of thing uh, is a really religious way. So I was wondering if you could just tell us about maybe like those those religious categories you've applied to an economic situation. Yeah. So like, well, OK, so debt's like about the future, right? You're just handing over future money. And, and if uh, we're taking uh like just kind of broadly you know marxist or i don't know just like if you're handing over future income you're handing over your future work um so that means you're handing over like parts of who you're going to become and what you're going to do and like that's what christianity and religion has to say is like what you it has to say things about like what you do and who you become um but you've already foreclosed that to some degree. Um, and so really the, so the retributive and the, the redemptive thing was, was really about like how we relate to one another and those of us that are in, in debt. And um, so the, yeah, the, I think I said, like I said earlier, like the retributive says basically like you should have chosen otherwise. So um you made these bad choices. You went to a university that didn't give you as many scholarships as you could have earned elsewhere, but you went because that's where your friends went or your parents went or because just liked it there. It wasn't as far away or whatever. Um, and, and then that like renders you um, unworthy of grace from me that made better choices. Um, I've, I've made horrible choices in my life all the time. So I'm not like, <laughs> that's not how I actually look at this, but this is the retributive view, right? Like that, um, if you made these bad choices, that's well, that this is what you get. Um, and, and like, it's just a really poor way of relating to one another. Uh, it's just, it's, a, it's really isolating. Um, and, and so I guess that's maybe the religious aspect of, of the retributive view is that it's a way of, of um, 
setting oneself up to like, yeah, well, I, I did okay. Like I, you could have made choices that I didn't make. Um, or you, you, oh man, hang on, back up. You, uh, you didn't make the right choices, you know? Um, and, and so like, it's just, a, it's a horrible way of relating to one another. It's a, it's a, and, and that in itself is religious, right? Like how we relate to one another. Um, the redemptive view seems to have like this gloss of solidarity that like we can get out of this and we can actually get out of this by helping one another. And so the idea is, well, okay, so we're not to blame for the fact that we got into debt. So it's not a problem that I went to this university or the other. Um, but we can help each other get out. And that also has a re- religious part of it, right? Um, and the religious part is like, oh, well, well, we'll work together. But how we work together is we hold each other accountable to making like really small decisions that help get us out of debt. And those small decisions are things like, you know, not going out to eat and eating a turkey sandwich or something like um and so the the small decisions become uh, ways that we relate to one another that like we hold each other accountable. And again, it, it, the the guilt sneaks back in where like who cares if someone eats a turkey sandwich? Like I don't have any interest in making someone feel that guilty about that. But there's a whole like you can build this religious edifice out of it, right? That like okay, it's not that big of a deal that you went into debt because your family had to go to the hospital because you chose this university. But like, if I see you out at the movies and then you buy popcorn and you take your whole family out and then you'll go get dinner, like, okay, what are you doing? Like, do you really want to get out of debt? Like that mentality carries with it a kind of religion. Um, and, and it's religious because it's how we relate to one another. And both are really depraved in their in their own way. Yeah. Does that um, make sense? Or is that, yeah. I think so. I mean, it, it makes sense of a few things. I, you know, I'm not a theologian, as we always say in this podcast, but it makes me think of uh, some conversations around, like, individual sin versus corporate sin as well. And, like, I don't know, how Christians especially have kind of a hard time, like, imagining guilt that spreads across, like, a group of people or a whole systemic society even though there are like plenty of good biblical or theological reasons to to like talk about something like that um and i think that's something that your article does really well uh is to say that like all individual choices aside like we all live within a, a whole society that compels you in certain directions or compels you to do or act or or think or feel certain things right um I think that, especially that language of formation, the way that you kind of mobilize formation as a, like, almost materialist uh, trope or something is really instructive. Um, I mean, do you think there's kind of like a, uh, like, a theological analog to something like that? Like, this idea of, um, you know, having a a recognition of these collective um, systematic structural problems that might lend um, someone to 
I don't know, make a certain choice or feel compelled to make a certain choice or maybe even feel stuck without the ability to make certain choices? You know, what would be a kind of like theological term or um, theological way of talking about that, do you think? Yeah, I mean, just the fact that we're creatures, like as a language that, I mean, we're, 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 we're subject to forces outside our control. Um, and one of those is God. Oh, I think I said this on the last time I was on. <laughs> now I'm, I'm backtracking, but I think that's right. Like the, the idea that, um, each of these, the, the retributive and the redemptive way of looking at debt says like, well, no, you can make yourself. Um, and what we know is that we can't individually make, like we're not self-made. Um, well, I think there's, there's something to be said for independence and freedom with one another. Uh, but the way that debt locates that in a kind of calculable um, formation is, is just wrong, uh, especially down to like a number, right? Like, Oh, you can, if part of making yourself or being yourself is moving to this place and you can't move to that place because you owe this much money and that's going to hinder you from that, then like you're, you're subject to something else. Um, but like it's, but who are we subject to when we're, we're indebted, right? Like uh, it's one thing to be subject to God that you believe um, ultimately has, you know, your good in mind and is working for it. It's another thing to be in, to be subject to yeah, Great Lakes student loan servicers or whatever. I don't know if they, they probably don't have my good in mind, if I had to guess. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, they probably think they do, right? Like, they think that, like, you came to them to get money to invest in your own future. Like, that's the ideology that's present. Um, that you're getting money so that you can get a degree that will allow you to make enough money to pay back the money you took, plus, like plenty enough to have like a really good life or whatever oh yeah for sure they they (laughs) they have no idea uh that i'm not really crushing it right now (laughs) 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 they will in like a month when i uh, have to call and and get them to like (laughs) give me give me an extra month or two um (laughs) but yeah but there's no real relationship um and so like you know yeah this is kind of a theological point like the idea that we can know God and God can know us um, is very different than um, this massive corporation that, you know, we're, but I, I don't know, like they, they don't, they, there's no um, humane or uh, like personal, oh man, I don't want to say personal relationship because like, I don't, I don't know what I think about a personal relationship with God. Um <laughs> But you know what I'm saying? Like that, that there is a sense in which God knows us and, um, and to be subject to God is a different thing, uh, hopefully than to be subject to this sort of creation of, of people. And so, uh, yeah, I think the sort of theological alternative is, um, to be subject to like an alternative community. Um, that's that, that, that governed or works by like different rules. I think that's a really good point 
that uh, Great Lakes is very different than God. (laughs) 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 I mean, they did send you a birthday card, which I guess is nice, but it's different. Um, Yeah, because God didn't. Yeah, seriously. Still Um, waiting. Still waiting. 32 years in, still waiting. (laughs) Uh, I mean, Great Lakes also sold my student loans off to some other company. So, like, and they didn't even ask me. So, like, you know, that's not that's not God behavior for sure. Um, I guess. I I don't know. Um, (laughs) Anyways, circling back around something you said a few minutes ago, um, when you were kind of going through the retributive and redemptive views of uh, debt, um, there's like some really funny parts of your article. Um, There's this whole thing. I I mean, if if y'all haven't read it, you should go out there and go to plow.com and read John Thornton Jr.'s article on debt. But uh, there's a funny part in the article where you're kind of talking about this uh, financial education seminar you were at, which is like, you know, the funniest thing I can actually imagine. Um, yeah, it was <laughs> not great. It seems, <laughs> it seems like a real bad, <laughs> a real bad time. Um, anyways, the, the thing with like financial education is like the whole point is like just have more money. Yeah. Like it would all be good. <laughs> like if I just had more money. That's the education is that like you're too poor. <laughs> You should just have more money. Yeah. Like, that would be, yeah. Well, uh, there's one part of the article where you're talking about, like, um, you know, how, how people can hope to alleviate their economic suffering by, like, yeah, eating a peanut butter sandwich at home rather than going out to the Mexican restaurant. Uh, or, you know, you got to just buy some cheaper toilet paper, <laughs> which is like, it's like. But we know, talked about that for, like, 20 minutes. Yeah. That's so sad to me. Um, <laughs> it's really sad. Well, so you went on to well, know... yeah, and like we, we like, they like they get kind of the editor kind of cut it from the the piece, probably rightfully so. But the the joke that I made was like, like, uh, like we should be doing the medical calculations of like if you're only eating peanut butter and wiping your ass with cheap toilet paper. But there's going to be some medical costs like this is <laughs> like that's like this surely we need to factor this into our financial picture that is um, not living your best life now that's it's, sure. it's not great it's not <laughs> or good. later yeah or later yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well so you, you went and, on uh, I, have, I had a buddy who like brought up um if you're only eating peanut butter at the very least admit like that's what they did in the depression <laughs> <laughs> like like uh, at least admit that's where we are uh, <laughs> Damn! Can you imagine though? You graduate from Financial Peace University or whatever, and then you just got to eat peanut butter. <laughs> Dave Ramsey, no. Um, well, so you you go on to make the point. And I think a pretty good point is that like um, you cited some sources, so that's good. But people are spending. Um, people aren't spending more money on consumer goods than they have in the past. It's just that stuff is more expensive now, um, and that seems to be true. Uh, especially with regards to the university, but um, it's such an interesting thing that like, I mean, things, things really haven't changed. It's not like people are living these crazy lifestyles they haven't in the past. Um, it's just that things have become, you know, more expensive in some different ways, but we can't understand that somehow. There's like a real false consciousness where we think that like we, man, we're just spending too much money on toilet paper rather than the entire economic system is stacked against us. So I wonder what you might say, like, what keeps people from understanding how shallow we understand, like, sorry, what keeps people from like seeing that, like we have this like really shallow um, and narrow understanding of our economic situation. And like, why can't we see past this, like buying cheap toilet paper strategy? 
Oof. Well, one, I guess it, I mean, the question is like, who is the we there? Like I, I find that most people in their 20s, 30s and 40s like get this. Um, it was fascinating at that. Um, so for those that haven't read the, the essay, so I, I, um, I went to like a two day thing where I got a grant for $10,000. It was the course. Like amazing. Like I literally just held a check for $10,000. Um, but like part of it was this kind of two day thing where we talked about, um, financial literacy and financial education. Um, and it was, it was a bunch of ministers and then all of us brought, uh, someone from the, our congregation. And I was the only one that did, I didn't put it in the article, but like both of my congregants backed out. So I'm like the only guy breaking the rules. Um, but what was interesting, like at this thing in the like, two days, so there's like 15 ministers, you know, 15 congregants. What was really interesting was a lot of the congregants were older because they could take off on like a Tuesday, Wednesday and go to this thing. And so many of them were like, I never got this kind of education. Um, but they recognize that they just basically retired fine. And so then they had to project backwards. So they, if they're thinking, you know, this kind of financial literacy education is necessary and I didn't get it, but I retired fine. How would I have learned these things? So they all talked about like, well, our parents just raised us this way to like, think about money. Um, and so I think there's just a lot of like, uh, like retroactive, like looking back and going, oh, well, I, I came out okay. And, but I didn't get this kind of education. So how did that happen? Well, someone must have told it to me at some point rather than, well, no wages were good. You were white. You were a certain age, you know, like the economy worked in a certain way. And that's something I, I, I have to admit, I have no idea how to communicate to anybody uh, uh, to, to figure that out. Uh, but it was awesome. It was so funny. That, oh, yeah. I remember when we were growing up and like our parents, they that they, uh, you know, brought out like a little what's the thing where you like slide the beads back and forth. Like they were like, the yeah, that's the, yeah, the abacus. They were like, our parents brought out an abacus and we all <laughs> learned how to budget our money. It's like, no, you didn't. You just grew up with like unions and a pension. Like, I was like, <laughs> like that's yeah. Uh, so I, I don't know what that looks like to, to make people aware of that. But that's where I saw that most clearly was like, um, a kind of misrecognition or, or failure to recognize that, that economic forces do shape our lives. All right. So you're a pastor at a church, right? And uh, all these like uh, uh, people that you interact with on a daily basis um, have to also interact with the way in which we live in a society formed by debt. So like, how do you pastorally kind of respond to like people who are freaked out about that? I guess that's like the hardest question. Like the one that I also struggle with, like how do you, uh, you know, I don't know, meet someone there in a way that's compassionate and also like tries to sort of guide them in, in some sort of direction or whatever. Like you're asking, like, what, what do I do with like uh, Congress that are already recognizing these things? Yeah, like, I don't know. So you have like a student um, who like 
goes to college and comes back or like is planning on going to college um and they're already sort of like wringing their hands about the debt situation that they're in or going to be in yeah i think um i think some is just acknowledging like yeah this isn't your fault like there, there's literally nothing you could have done and i and and that is i mean we're like three generations in to like we're, we're thousands of years, but the, definitely three generations in of um, like people being told and people being raised and informed to think like, oh, well, you if you work hard and do X, Y, and Z, like this will work out. And we're just on the cusp of, of seeing that break down. My friend Jess, who... Um, graduated high school i guess the year after i did i had this great line where she was like uh this was like a year or two ago she was like yeah we were like the last ones that they told if you work hard things will work out and it wasn't a total lie in that like the people saying it just didn't like they couldn't have known i graduated high school in 2005 like they couldn't know that like what was going to happen right um but at this point like we know it's not going to work out. Like it's just not. But we, we, um, and so, so I think acknowledging that is is to me incredibly pastoral. Though there's this way where like the pastoral and the you know, like quote unquote prophetic, which the pastoral usually means making people feel good, and the prophetic means making them feel uncomfortable. But it depends on how rich they are that that actually like. <laughs> which one applies it's really pastoral to tell someone that like you know uh the mighty will be cast down and mm. you're gonna be okay um depending on where they are and um yeah so i think um i don't know acknowledging where people are in a way that builds solidarity um was it uh Fred Moten. Have you ever read The Undercommons? Mm-hmm. You ever read the book? Yeah, Fred Moten has this great line. I guess it's, I don't know. It's just his, but it's it's pretty clearly his. Was that um, was it the the coalition emerges from the recognition that this shit's killing you too, right? Uh, no matter how much more slowly you stupid motherfucker. <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's a good line. Which I don't know if I can. Yeah, we, you know, beep beep. Um, but that idea that like when someone comes to you and they're like, Oh, like I'm in debt and I'm screwed up and, or they say like, I'm screwed up because that's what they expect church to say or a church or a pastor. Um, much of the, the financial literacy thing that I wrote about was about fixing us in terms of money. And I was just like, well, what if we're not screwed up? What if, the, what if that's if the problem isn't us being screwed up? Like, what if we're actually okay um, and that we deserve better than this? And, like, no one's actually saying that. There's there's no one out there that's, that's – there's I don't see many churches saying it. Yeah, I think that's a really helpful way of putting it. And also, like, kind of a really Christian way of putting it, too, that um... – yeah, recognizing the the worth of people and that their decisions don't ultimately define them and that there's some kind of way out, right? Like, 
I don't know if there's a way out. That's the problem. Well, yeah, I mean, probably not. Uh, well, sorry. It's it's uh, it's twenty. It's beginning we can get 20, to that, but it's beginning of twenty nineteen, and there's definitely a way out at this point in the year. Um, maybe at the end of twenty nineteen, I won't feel the same way. Um, but uh, there's there's like really a clearly okay. Sorry, we're, we're talking about debt in this like really religious way, and um, I think it actually helps kind of understand the situation a little bit better. Like, um. I mean, like, what better sort of allegory for this type of thinking about debt than just, like, damnation or devil or, 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 like, evil? And what better way of thinking about, like, kind of getting out of it as grace? So, um... Totally. You, you, um... In your article, you pull out a lot of political theology with regards to Adam Kotzko's new book. Um, and I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about that, the ways that you define and use grace and uh, other figures like the devil... Uh, with regards to debt. Yeah, so um, Adam Costco, who anyone who's listening to this should follow him on Twitter and and check out his, I mean, his read his book and his blog. And um, yeah, so I read his book, uh, Neoliberalism's Demons. That's basically about the way that capitalism uh, reduces the the political theology of capitalism reduces everything to an individual choice in such a way that it gets the system off the hook. And he compares this to the uh, theological story of the devil. So the idea is, you know, the devil, or I mean, no, this is like real Christian tradition. Uh, the, the, the devil is created with free will, but the moment the devil is created, that free will rebels against God in such a way that even though God knew the devil would rebel and the devil did rebel and then created evil, God is not on the hook for creating the devil. And so I was, I was trying to apply this basically to student debt though it applies in a myriad of ways. Uh, And so like, uh, again, like what we were talking about, so any student who has student debt could have chosen otherwise, chosen to go to a different school, chosen to work harder. Um, and yes, yeah, so there's like a feel the- I mean, this is part of like the theological structure of it. Um, and so it's a, it's a fantastic book and it really helps show the way that like choice has worked its way into a way to get not just the system off the hook, but also people. So is this like, I'll give an example. Like um, at the church I was most recently working at, um, we had someone that we were helping with our benevolence fund and um, benevolence fund. We can just kind of give to anybody. And um we were helping this guy out with some rent and some, you know, basic payments. And, and I had someone at the church who said, well, why don't we like set up some, uh, it weren't even stipulations, but like things he can choose to do to make his life better. Um, and like look for a job resume, this sort of thing. Um, and if he doesn't, then we'll cut off the help. And, and where Costco's book was really helpful was if 
you're looking at it in a way where the whole purpose of giving people choice is not so much that like they actually choose the right thing, but to alleviate you of any responsibility. I was just like, well, okay, look, here's the thing. Like, let's either just help this guy or not. And um, if we don't want to, then let's just say we don't want to. And let's just not. Um, but let's not set up the situation that we know he basically isn't going to be able to fulfill that then alleviates of us of our duties to help him. And I think the same thing happens with debt, right? Like to maybe a lesser degree, but like, you know, let's set it up to where if they do this class or they do this thing, then we'll help them. But the thing you're setting them up to do, you know, they're probably not going to be able to do. Um, and so grace would just be, well, no, I mean, grace would be, I'm going to help no matter what, like that doesn't matter. It, it full stop. Um, and so Costco's book, I found to be like really helpful kind of practical theology in that way. Um, does that make sense? Or is that, yeah. Like, uh, like how Jesus doesn't like give people fish and then he's like, now let me know how you're portioning this out for the rest of the week. Yeah, or even check in, right, or even check in beforehand or set someone up. Like, yeah, I mean, generally the people Jesus sets up to to potentially fail are rich people. <laughs> Those true. are the ones he, like, actually gives gives stuff to do, and they're like, oh, God, yeah, I really can't handle that. And they're like, oh, okay, well, see ya. <laughs> like, the poor people, he's just like, hey, here's everything you need. Uh, um. Well, there's a lot more that we could talk about in your article, especially uh, like you have a lot to say about formation, but also counter formation. And I think that we could probably have done like a whole episode on something like that. But I'm also concerned because we haven't really settled the uh, 2019 uh, theme for this year. And I just feel like we can't uh, post this episode without solving this problem. Um, so I want to pull us back around to that. Um anything really jump out just as we've been talking. I mean, we need to name it and we also need uh, some kind of call to action to uh, accompany it. Um, I'm not really sure exactly where we could go. I was just thinking of things that rhyme with 19, uh, 20 caffeine, who knows? Uh, getting a little excited about that. Um, 20, uh, 20 black bean. Maybe people want to go vegetarian. Uh, 20 between, we could just sort of give up go between you know uh 2018 and 2020 and uh just check in but i thought you know we we would be doing a disservice if we didn't round out this conversation at least giving it another try i do like 20 black bean that's good let's get down some on some of those veggie burgers <laughs> 20 black bean eat a veggie burger that's the sort of theme for this year i'm fu- yeah it's it yeah, is, it's it is a tangible goal. doing it yeah, but it's doable. Like we can all we can all do that. Uh, yeah, it's uh, a very materialist. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, you'd be helping the planet by making this individual choice. Right. Yeah, that's that's what we all need. <laughs> uh, what else we got here? All right, um, we're gonna have to pull out the big guns. Just go to uh, rhymezone.com, uh, where everyone goes when they're looking for good rhymes. Um, let's see, twenty canteen. Um, take a sip of that holy water. Uh, <laughs> what else we got here um, 20 porcine don't be a pig this year not like don't be a capitalist pig yeah exactly okay. or, or a cop yeah, either one 
20 jorts team get get jorts <laughs> getting jordy 20 women. jorts team really doing it actually oh <laughs> uh, no Just we, we messed back. up we it should have been 2014 uh we're too late we are too late vine team 20 vine team uh, yeah, twenty vintines is not bad because there's a there's a real Christian kind of metaphor going on there. All right, what can we do with that? <laughs> twenty vintine, bear that fruit. Ooh. Yep. Done. Done. Nailed it. That's it. That's it. Twenty vintine, bear the fruit. Oh gosh, that's gotta be in someone's sermon next week, right? Like that's happening. <laughs> All right, Matt, you want to take us home? Hang on, I'm trying to think of something to do. Dang. I'm too I'm too distracted by all these rhymes, Dean. <laughs> You've overloaded my brain with rhyme. Twenty rhymes, Dean. Ooh. Can't stop doing it. Why do oh, we should have done some Dean puns? Twenty nine Deans. There's nine Deans out here. Find out which one's the real one. <laughs> Ask me something that only I would know. John, thanks so much for coming on the podcast to talk to us about all these things. Uh, <laughs> thanks for giving us a good way to think about debt. So that we can um, yeah. bear that good, good fruit. Get that, get the wine in the proper wine skins. I can never remember which one it is. You put old wine and new wine skins, or new wine and old wine skins. I don't remember which one. But you're gonna help us Ooh, do it. Yeah, getting getting yep. the wines into the proper skins in this next year. <laughs> Anyways, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> wines in the skins. Wines and skins, bro. Uh, all right. That's my favorite way to play basketball. <laughs> are you are you wines or skins? Yeah, wines versus skins. <laughs> You have to douse yourself uh, just in like a giant vat of wine till your skin is completely stained to be on the wine scene. Sweet bear wine. Uh, cool, John. Thanks a lot, man. Yeah, really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Magnificast. Uh, if you like what you heard, you can support us on Patreon. That would be a really cool thing for you to do. You can also follow us on Twitter. We got a Facebook group. Uh, we got a Facebook page, but you know what? The Facebook page isn't really doing anything, so just... Unlike that one right away. Uh, <laughs> that's the first time a podcast ever told you to unlike a page, I bet. Uh, <laughs> cool. Well, um, it's the end. It's nope. Well, it's the beginning of a new year. So uh, start <laughs> off right and uh, get that. Bear all that good fruit. That's all I'm trying to say here. Um, cool. Thanks to Amari Armstrong for our really good intro music. And also thanks Theological Spoon for that really good outro music. We'll see you next time. I don't want to get up for church in the morning, church in the morning, souls alive. Heaven come to earth and there won't be no church. We'll meet down by the riverside. There we'll swim with all creation. Never get tired, never bored. Don't worry, someday there'll be no dam between us and our Lord. Jackson, you keep your hoods up. Keep your hoods up and you stay up late in Jackson. You keep your hoods up, well you keep your hoods up and you stay up late. Oh, don't mind a cold night, but we might mind if you leave too soon. So come on now, it's still early. Besides, what else are you gonna do? 
Tears we kissed in the alley by the Michigan theater Fall snow was blowing in the lights of the downtown Saw a spark in your eyes, I just spoke it Said we're gonna turn this whole place upside down Then you said, my dear, do you really mean this? I said I only know what I feel right now I said, poor it's life.